Your samples Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Get fucked. I am seeing straight panics dick riding on the internet right now. It's insane. I'm like, dude, it's like if you don't have him as your front runner, you don't know ball. Like that's the sentiment I'm seeing on the internet right I now. I don't like how we like act like this is like a year long award. I mean, it's about stats at the end of the year and where your team's at. Like, yeah, well, that's why. I mean, it's it's a bunch of nonsense to be like to say anyone. Like the season's basically just starting this week for ninety percent of teams. Because te- only 10% of teams have played games already that could be referenced in the Heisman conversation at the end of the season. Yeah, you know I what mean, I mean? They don't, they don't so play like Texas, anyone until October 14th. Then they got Oregon at home. So who's who's the only guy? Ga- what? Who's the guys that have a game under their belt that can actually be used in New York? Jordan Travis. Yeah. Quinn Ewers. Shadur Sanders. Probably, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. no one else. What are you going to? You're not going to go back to, like, you know, Sam Hartman against NC State. You're not going to go back to Phoenix against, give me, give you know, whoever. Like, over South Carolina. That would be more so than the guys that are, you know, listed, quote unquote, ahead of him. No. Um, but there's really, I'd say, Stra- or I'd say Travis and Ewers have a game under their belt that can be used as evidence as Heisman. Oh, Ewers took down Alabama and looked great Alabama. the whole game, and Travis, you know, completely shit on the fifth-ranked team in the country in week one. Everyone else is like, okay, Hartman's is this week, whether it's this week or it's in a couple weeks. Like, everyone's got the game on their schedule, but we'll see. It'll take JJ for a while to get his game. It'll take Um, a lot of these guys a decent amount of time before they get their, like, you know, their name up in lights for playing someone. Phoenix is... uh... He's going to have a few of them in the Pac-12 there, like we, uh, our favorite conference. Yeah, he's got them on the slate for sure. Like, it's not that guys don't have them. It's just, Mart, you, uh, you, I think you missed the start of that conversation, but it was, you know, how, how, how arbitrary it is to rank the Heisman front runners right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because it's like, yeah. okay, well, none of these are going to be, none of the games that have been played for 90% of the guys on the list are going to even be remembered. Yeah, in it's week like nine, 10, 11. It's like week one, DJ, you lit up uh, San Jose State. Let's put him front, Heisman front runner. <laughs> like it's, I remember agree. the year they thought it was all but locked up for Leonard Fournette. Then they played Bama, and then all of a sudden it was Derrick Henry's to lose. Like, I mean, uh, you never know. Until the that one play. was one of the craziest twists because it was, holy shit, this guy's better than any other running back we've ever seen. And then it wasn't that he had a, you know, oh, well, he didn't do it against Bama. It was he had he was averaging less than a yard a carry against Alabama. Like how, how does that happen from what we thought he was? 
he couldn't get back to the line of scrimmage. That was, yeah, that's like if Caleb Williams last year, you know, against Notre Dame, completed 50% of his passes through four picks and, you know, went 15 of 30 for 140 yards. You know, like quarterbacks, that's less. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like it, honestly, in, in a, that deep into a Heisman campaign, just getting, just losing it in one week. It's, yeah. It's I hard know, to lose sure. a Heisman in a week. It's e- well, it's, it's it's much easier to win a Heisman in a week than to lose it in a week. Especially yeah, as a running back, you're kind of at the mercy of your offensive line a lot of the time, too. At least a quarterback, like, you can design plays where you sprint out of the – if you're somebody can't block or you know you have a weakness, it's like – I don't know. If, if somebody just misses their block and you're just getting handed the ball, you're just going to get smoked, you know, and especially against, like, Jonathan Allen and whoever the hell was on that Alabama D-line, which NFL players. Yeah, you but, can have, you know, an a sensational run – that gains three yards. Yeah, you know, break. exactly. You can have a war, like a Marshawn Lynch beast mode run just to get back to the line. And that's not, you know, getting you Heisman votes. And yeah, I mean, that was, I think a culmination of their line, not being great. And Alabama's defense putting on probably like the most impressive, you know, mono, mono performance against a guy like that ever. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that one. Who? What? Who is it? Was it Arkansas or Ole Miss? Maybe, or maybe the best hit stick of all time. That like the one, and then just accelerates to the sideline and score. It was wasn't that Ole Miss? I think it was, it was Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. That sounds familiar. For those, I mean. I doubt we'll have visual for this episode, but Marty Ryan Martini's wearing a wife beater for those at home. Yeah, yeah get cooling off is a hot day today. <laughs> it is. It's been sticky lately. Yeah, it's fucking sticky middle, is a good way to over. Des- Dude, sticky is a good way to describe some of these games. I think uh, a lot of people overlooked the slate this past Saturday because of the slate we have this Saturday. But we had three of the top four teams in some very sticky situations, dude. Texas tied in the fourth quarter with Wyoming. Georgia down two scores at half to South Carolina. Um, and who am I? Who am I missing here? Michigan, Bowling Green, Florida State, oh. Florida State, and I get it was the red bandana game. Red bandana game. I I said about I think it was eight minutes into the game. That goal line stand, uh, Florida State stood on their stood on their heads at about the th- like first and goal from the three, and held Boston College to a field goal and said that might have just saved their their college Game's football season. playoff chances. They won by two points. That ended up being a pretty big, you know, pretty big in the grand scheme of things. They often are. Alabama almost lost to. It would have been that that would have been Saban's worst loss ever, right? Yeah, easily. Oh, not even close. It was dude, probably that, that, his worst three quarters of football ever, right? Dude, that that USF team got lit up on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball by Florida A and M, and Alabama couldn't move the ball. <laughs> so yeah, I think that would have easily been his worst loss. Yeah, they looked. Horrible. And 
And then that Texas team filled with five stars on offense that, you know, for gashed Alabama big play after big play just a couple weeks ago was deadlocked at tens in the fourth quarter against Wyoming, who I guess Wyoming might have a decent squad this year based on um, uh, Tech earlier this year that went against Tech. But yeah. still, I mean, you you beat Alabama, you're now expected to do great things. You're not, you can't, there's no room for you to be playing in a game like that. But even even Notre Dame didn't look great. All the all the teams that have been slowly rising, I think, took a step back. Alabama kind of in a different, you know, different category here because they lost, but with the name it 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 has a similar sentiment. But I I think it really just says how wide open this thing is. Anyone's here. Yeah, completely. It's yeah, and it's a testament too, and we'll hammer it home till the day I die, there should should have been a twelve team pay playoff this year. It's the, of of all years, even jo- like Georgia does not look like I was thinking about it earlier. So the team that beat TCU last year by about ninety points in the Natty, um, you I, you see like the Jalen Carters, the key, like littered with just NFL defenders. Where I feel like now that all those guys are gone, like they they definitely still have a bunch of those caliber of players but it seems like they still need some seasoning you know what i mean where that that was the second uh year in a row where those guys were going and winning a natty so i feel like there is a like a kink in the georgia armor almost a little bit this year where they definitely are beatable and then you take away the 29 year old quarterback at the helm they they always had the vat that was a good game manager and actually sets Bennett made a lot of plays last year too he was talented he was a good and, game manager but he's talented yeah, for sure. And replace him with Baku. I don't. He didn't really do much. I don't know. He's probably okay. But it, it's so they've downgraded at a lot of positions. So the team that everybody thought was just going to be dominant, who the hell is going to be able to beat Georgia? I don't know. It seems like there's probably a good handful of teams that could beat him on a bad day. You know what I mean? And but, you talk about chink chink in the armor. You know. And this isn't even a joke as much as I, you know, will say this is a joke at times, but big chink in the armor is players, coaches getting arrested, guys, guys getting into a shit ton of trouble. There being a lot of issues in that locker room, in that program. Like, yeah, I, I get the the stories of the Floridas and how many guys got arrested and and this happened on this team and they were still able to do this. But like you've had you've had a run of two years where, I mean, we were what juniors in college. The last time they lost to someone that wasn't Alabama sophomores in college, like it was forever ago. They've lost one game since we were, you know, still in fricking gen eds. Like it's, it's incredible what they've done, but I, I, I can't help but think that, you know, the distractions, these distractions that have just come and the, you know, the backlash and the things it's like how, you need to get these kids, you know, in order these coaches, even that are getting in trouble for stuff. It's like, nobody wants that on their team. Dude, I think that's the I last think... thing you want on your team is, is anything that's not football. And they have a lot yeah. of it going on more than anyone else. Yeah. Either since the start of last year or after the natty. And it's probably the start of last year for when you hear it. Like, I think there's been 15 guys that have gotten like, 
illegal traffic violations. So they got they got to all go to driver's ad, I think. I mean, yeah, the driving in Florida is a problem. It, no, I'm talking about yeah, Georgia. Yeah, they these kids are just like, oh, oh boy, like, practice is over and just freaking skirt off in the parking <laughs> lot <laughs> through a red light. It's ridiculous. I I swear to God, it's like 15. I don't know the exact timeline, but yeah, and that's like including coaches too. So it's like they're they're learning it from somewhere from the high. It's just go kart. Athens is just. Yeah. Athens or, is just a big go-kart arena. That's what I'm saying. Can you imagine <laughs> like driving through like the quad of, of campus? Just freaking. Oh my God. But kids are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no one on the streets there. Everyone stays home till practice. They have to wait till practice starts to <laughs> kids have to, they don't leave their dorms until practice starts because they're like, shit, they might, they, uh, they're out here. The, the roads, yeah. they're not safe. It's Grand Theft um, Auto. But I, I genuinely think the distractions are never good. Like any any time, and I think you know every program, especially the bigger ones, because they get the most press and the most news behind them. It, it's never good. There, there's seldom a time where there's things that aren't football coming from your program that make you think more highly of that program, of that coach, of the players on your team. I mean, Kelly brought. Kelly had a lot of baggage at Notre Dame, including the death of a student. I mean, that it was one of the biggest scandals. That was something that made so many fans and so many just college football people, anyone that was familiar with the story, have hate the guy, you know, inexcusable. And how can you focus on football when you have blood on your hands, when you have, you know, kids with crazy terrible disciplinary issues when you have urban Meyer getting grinded on by a 17 year old at the bar, like <laughs> it, it, it's never a good thing. And they have, they've had more than anyone. And they, they do, they have, they have maybe still the most talent in the country, but they're not the same team. They don't look, I think they're going like to the same up team somewhere. I was just, they should have slipped up schedule. Saturday. They got the kind of their first real test after UAB this weekend. They got at Auburn. So that could be a little tough there. Um, followed by Kentucky at home, Vanderbilt. Then they play their neutral site with Florida. So uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I don't think we'll see much of this Georgia team till later in the schedule, but not the disciplinary issues go a long way. And I just, it's tough to also win back to back, much less three titles in a row. Um, I think they're just more, you know, doomed to kind of lose one slip up here early. Uh, but we'll see. I haven't been too impressed with their play. I'd love to see them play like an actual opponent that, you know, we can see something out of the dogs here to make me realize like, oh, they're still the same old team that's, you know, won back-to-back titles. And they're not one of these teams, but a lot of teams do have some some big battles this week. And it yeah. is, quite frankly, one of the best. What we're we're a month in the season. One of the best slates I have ever seen, considering how early on it is. Normally, you're not getting this kind of. You're not. You know, it's like dodgeball. Normally, you got to pay twice for this kind of action. Yeah. Week yeah. week four, you're getting. What do we have? Six ranked matchups this week. Six six ranked v ranked. It's the first time in fifteen years. It's been six ranked to be ranked, and that's not including Florida State Clemson, which is a two point spread because Clemson's not ranked. So tip it like and Clemson probably ranked is 
a ranked caliber team. So that's sure. we'll, we'll we'll call it a split and gap seven there. On, uh, ranked <laughs> yeah, ranked it's a good old fashioned split and gap seven. <laughs> yeah. Which one? But, um, I'll start with you, Mark. And it might be difficult because in in my case, I don't think I've ever been more excited for a game in my entire life. But which which of these games intrigues you the most? Um, I don't know, dude. This Alabama Ole Miss game, it's almost like now that we got Milrow back. And I think, yeah, Saban was almost just trying to prove a point. Just displaying to like the country, like there was no reason to not play Jalen Milrow in that USF game, but just to show like how ass Tyler Buckner is, he goes like, yeah, this is what we see in practice. This kid's ass. <laughs> like now you guys all see it. Then the other kid comes in and he's ass too. And, Cause everybody was bitching about Samson. Milrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody was bitching about Milrow and he goes, yeah, well, these other guys are ass too. So everybody's ass. There's nothing I can do. Um, but I it's mean, we'll see. Take on it. The, uh, What's it called? Um, these guys are all. It's Ole Miss is is chomping at the bit, dude. They're they're undefeated. Bama, they hand Bama a second a second loss. I mean that's crazy. And the thing is, is when's the last time Bama's only been a touchdown or less favorite against Ole Miss? You know what I mean? It's always seventeen points or Bama's gonna kill them. So if Saban can get his guys up for it, and I don't know how good Jackson Dart is and. He's been Whatever, incredibly man. efficient this year. That's yeah, why I think it makes it more interesting because he's a real Saban's, threat. I, not, uh, Kiffin's a good coach. So, he, he, like, you know he's going to get his guys up. We'll, we'll just see if, if Ole Miss can handle the physicality of Bama because Bama is just going to be smashing him in the mouth, especially in the run game, I think. But the thing is, is Alabama's offensive line has been absolute dog shit this year. Complete dog shit. So, I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball. We'll see. So, that's... It's hard to handicap that game if it's a touchdown. It's like, can Alabama run the ball? If yes, then I think they win by 10. They cover. If not, then it's it's a pick em. I think Ole Miss can easily win, you know? Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting game. I'm anxious to see which Bama team shows up. Uh, I'm really interested in this, and I know you both are as well as Notre Dame fans, this Notre Dame-Ohio State game. I kind of find myself going back and forth with being like, this is not like the same old kind of Notre Dame team you see in these matchups. Uh, one, they don't have Brian Kelly. Uh, um, two, they have an actual great quarterback in Sam Hartman. And three, they're at home. So I'm really anxious to see uh, how they're going to do against, you know, a national title caliber team in the Buckeyes. Uh, really, anytime you have them on your schedule, uh, it's a chance to show you can hang with the big guys. Um, and Notre Dame playing such a unique schedule this year with, you know, having a real shot at Clemson and uh, USC out of the ACC and Pac-12, respectively. This is a cool crack at the Big Ten. So we'll see. I'm kind of teetering back and forth with who I like in this one. Ohio State did look really good last week. If they can kind of build off that and show that they can win at Notre Dame, I think they'll kind of be back at the top of uh, the talking board for people as far as the national championship goes. Uh, so we'll see. The the thing that interests me most about this NDOSU game is it it's almost perfectly matched in the way that the greatest strengths for each team differ almost completely um, against one another. Like the one thing is that Notre Dame, the worry has been right is 
Do they have the speed on the outside? Do they have the receivers? Is it just Sam Hartman making these guys look good versus Ohio State, who has an all-world receiver room? And then the quarterback, Sam Hartman, you have a guy that's got five years experience plus versus a guy that's unproven. So I I think it also um, goes with the defense in the secondary. Ohio State secondary hasn't looked great. ND's secondary has looked great. Granted, you know, small sample size against teams that, you know, you're not going to be seeing in January. But I, di- I just think it, it it evens itself out so much with the strengths of each team. So I think it really will go with the running game and the O-line because I that's where the difference can be made. We know OSU's receivers are going to be better. We know Sam Hartman will look more comfortable you know so there's a couple things i think we know but it's it's the parts where we're pretty similar and i think we have pretty similar front sevens with good chemistry that gel well that have a that are very well coached teams and i i think it's those parts of the game the running back rooms ohio state great running back room notre dame great running back room deep running back rooms we'll see who's able to get those chunk plays on the ground We'll see if Notre Dame secondary can stand up just even a little bit to make that one big play. Like if Ben, if Ben Morrison, who did extremely well, I think probably better than anyone else in the country did last year against Marvin Harrison. I think he had like four for 47 in that week one game last year. So if we can make that one play, you know, taking the ball away and then putting the ball back in Hartman's hands, get them on their heels. But I do think in a way what makes me nervous is it seems different every time, but I think with a lot of Notre Dame teams, we've heard when they get off to a hot start, this is a different Notre Dame team. And I think it's true this year. And I think it's true. I think it's been true a lot, but a lot of those times that doesn't exactly mean that makes us better than Ohio state. You know, this Notre Dame team can be different and can be better and still lose this game. You know what I mean? So I I also think the um the line is pretty interesting and I'm 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 interested to see where the sharp money kind of lands in these next few days. A lot of a lot of non-sharps and I know a lot of them tend to think that this is going to go down to two and a half by game time. I personally think that this might this the uh, you might get another half point towards Ohio state. But again, another, another game in Mar. you mentioned this where Clemson, I think Clemson had that hiccup against Duke and that, that did not tell us what this team is. I think, I think that I think Clemson can go out and win on Saturday. I really do. And kind of like Clemson too. And they like, they have the guys. They'll always have the guys. Whether you want to shit on Dabo for the NIL stuff, him not growing with the game, them losing to Duke, how bad him being a big Klubnik dweeb. Looked. Yeah, but they are Clemson. He's a damn good coach in many ways, and they match up well against almost anyone. So I think that's a game they can win, shoot them back in the rankings, shoot them back in contention for the ACC. So... God, lots to talk about. And that, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, Jackson Dart going, playing Nick Saban 
Ole Miss has been one of the few teams in the SEC that has had, you know, more than one win against Alabama in the regular season. The old uh, Bo Wallace days of old. Yep. Bo Wallace and um, uh, Laquan Treadwell. Didn't uh, Kelly win one? Didn't Chad Kelly win one too? Yeah. Yep. I think those were the two in in two or three years. They they were hung like the one loss on Alabama. Yep. So no one has Alabama's number, obviously. They have everyone else's number. If there's one team that maybe had it for a little bit, it's Ole Miss. The lane train. (laughs) Yeah. So we have so much Saturday and, and I do think we only, you know, we only have. There's a finite amount of college football Saturdays in our lives, so you know you can't look past any of them. We saw that with almost. We had a bunch of games that would have completely changed the landscape of this season. Ended up not particularly on on Saturday, but do we even it, do we even want to get into Dion? Or does I, everyone? I think it's just is so everyone aware? Just to see the line be what it is, like. After watching Oregon play Texas Tech, like I am not convinced that they are a 21 point favorite over this ranked Buffalo squad. Now, do I certain do I think Buffalo or Colorado wins this game? I don't think so, but the 21 point spread is just egregious to me. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I personally like it because Oregon at home is is absolutely dominant. Like I I know um I have no like specific statistics. I just know that going up to Eugene is one of the hardest places to play and they always just play absolutely out of their minds. And I feel like Colorado is an absolute corpse of a defense where they've just been able to just light everybody up on offense and just go down and Dion Sun has thrown them to wins essentially and now they're going to be facing an NFL quarterback where they haven't done that yet. So with no Hunter, if, with no Hunter and the best defense that they've seen, like and it's not even close. So or, this Oregon team is without it, like two, three times better than that TCU team because that TCU team was a shell of the national. They lost everybody to the NFL, everybody yeah. that was of substance on that team. Um, so this team is so much better than a TCU team NFL players all over the field, which Colorado has too. I'll give them that. If Colorado can show that they can score 28 points, then I don't know. They probably cover, but dude, I could see Oregon going for 50. You know what I mean? That's how bad Colorado's defense is. They have gotten lit up every game besides Nebraska. Cause Jeff Sims was their quarterback, but I always just feel like when those games get going and just in with an offense like Colorado, that can do that. I just feel like it heats up quick and then you can, you know, all of a sudden what's a two possession game is a one possession game. And I agree though. I mean, they definitely could dismantle them. I was just more shocked to see that be the spread. I don't really think Vegas likes Dion too much. So Mark, to your point about, you know, Shadur throwing them to wins. Dion did something and, you know, everyone's giving him credit for it, especially considering, you know, obviously it's everything's more interesting when you it's the coach and the quarterback's your son for obvious reasons. But taking the ball in overtime, Dion said that it was, you know, why would I take the ball out of my son's hands 
when he just did that 98 yards, right? Which is completely true. But on the other side of that, you can't tell me that in the back of Dion's mind, he's saying, well, I definitely don't want to put my fucking defense on the field first. Yeah. Give up a touchdown. Momentum. Yeah. Momentum killer. So I I think both things are true there because I, there's, there's no way. And, and I know his, um, what's, what's his, uh, Shiloh, right? Yeah. He's, he's been, you know, making some plays, playing some good ball for them on defense, but it's not enough, especially when you take away the really the only guy of substance on that defense that will be probably the only guy that will be playing on Sundays. And there's probably a large you know amount in between that won't even come close to playing on Sundays. But you yeah. lose a lockdown corner yeah. who was making Travis- the plays for you when you did get stops. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't see how Bo, Bo Nix... Like Bo Nix Heisman moment with all the hype on Colorado, people are talking about Colorado being undefeated. Shadur, Dion, Shiloh, the Dion's, all, all this shit, right? Like Bo Nix could easily just shatter. And it's all it's all the casuals love Colorado. Like they're fun. Don't get me wrong. But all these people, and it's probably good for the game. But people that are like NFL people, you know, they watch that the NBA, they watch the NFL, yeah. are like tuning in. Because of Dion and this Colorado team, they're I think they can they're going to see real quick what you know a real established program does for you in a game like this. Yeah, yeah. that's the big difference here. And to again to go back to the spread, I think, and this is me just spouting off in my own mind, but Travis Hunter is probably worth five points to the spread. I would say on. Because he plays both ways, almost four four points maybe, and then Oregon at home. You know the like adage like you get three points for being at home, and I was just hammering home how good they are at home. That's almost even worth four or five. That's like ten points almost. You could say if you're being aggressive on your projection on the spread, just from those two factors, and that that's how you get up to twenty one. I think, but I think from that's fair. from like a a two. Even from like a thirteen point spread, I think that's how you get up to twenty one. But yeah, maybe it's interesting. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, definitely, it's a good chance, like Chuck said, you know, for Oregon and Barnett Bowen next to show that they're for real. Uh, I mean, the, but the Pac twelve having as good as many teams as they do, uh, we could maybe even see a one loss Pac twelve team get in the playoffs. So it's definitely important to keep all these teams winning, so that when they play each other. Uh, they're still good matchups, but, uh, you know, here we are talking about the Pac-12 again. Uh, it's like, what, three straight episodes? Just they're a part it's of be it. every they're episode. In the they're in the every next. episode. That's what the Pac-12 is really making things difficult for Notre Dame right now. Yeah. And I say that I say that because the one wrinkle in the system during the playoff era has been a conference champion or undefeated Notre Dame is kind of the equivalent, right? So, like, I think twice Notre Dame, it might have been all three times they were undefeated, or the last time was they lost to Clemson in the ACC Championship 2020. They play, actually played a conference championship, but were heads up one and one against that Clemson team. So the wrinkle has been you haven't had for, you know, one loss or – um, undefeated conference champions 
And those years you didn't, it was, you know, a really, really good or undefeated Notre Dame team. So they kind of that undefeated Notre Dame team counts as being a conference champion, you know, like a power five conference champion. That's kind of like the exchange rate with Notre Dame. So we could see a one loss Notre Dame team, assuming that one loss is to either Ohio State, USC or Clemson, who I do think Clemson's going to end up, you know, two, three losses, really good years, some big wins. So you can see a one loss Notre Dame team with maybe two of the best, the best pair of wins they've had. And that's assuming another win against Duke, to be honest. So let's say Notre Dame wins drops to either Ohio state or USC one loss, 11 and one, a cup, maybe, maybe, you know, still a better resume than Georgia if they're undefeated, to be honest. Like, but if you have a Pac-12 conference champion with one loss, an ACC conference champion with one loss, like all the conferences are there to where there might not be a path for Notre Dame to get in unless they're they they have to go on the feed to get in this year. Because there's just the there's another the 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 idea of a Pac-12 having a powerhouse team going into the end of December is there for the first time. I just think that, you know, all the teams are so close together and, you know, spread throughout these conferences that I think there might only be like two undefeated teams going into the playoffs. And then that's going to leave the door open for, and Notre Dame very well could be one of those teams, but what comes to mind is either Michigan or Ohio state. I feel like one of those teams will go 12, 13 and 0. I feel like Georgia definitely can. They could also slip up in playing a team in the SEC championship. Uh, I do think, a Pac-12 team could run the table and then slip up. So you're going to have some of these openings where I think Notre Dame with the ball they've been playing, they've shown me that they can win two out of those three games you named, Chuck, against Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. They've shown me that they can do that. So if they do that and they're, you know, in that 11-1 and arena, I think they'll be in there with a lot of other teams that it's going to just going to be interesting to see who comes out with these conference championships. Because, uh, you know, if USC is that other team that's looking to get in and that's Notre Dame's one loss, it's like, well, hey, they beat Clemson and Ohio State, too. Like, this is a really good football team. So I just think that so much has to play out. Uh, and it's kind of like, all right, who's going to grab these conference championship trophies while hosting up like a good record in the regular season to see who's going to come away with it in the playoff? Because I look at it and there's like eight teams right now who I think could make like good running. I mean, every I would say even nine. Probably nine. Every team ranked in the top nine right now looks like they have a realistic path that they could get to the to the playoff. Yeah, yeah. And Chuck, I was yeah, going to say work. you mentioned the four conferences, and you forgot about Texas in the Big Twelve. Like, and yeah, they're sitting there right. with a that's with right, a win yeah. over Alabama. You know what I mean? And I it's a down. Of, it's, yeah. it's a down Big Twelve too. So it's like you look at their schedule; they're going to be favored in every game they play. You know, it, probably mm-hmm. by well over a touchdown except for maybe Oklahoma. Um, so there's that. It, and for, if you're looking at it from Notre Dame's perspective, you want, and as, as like a, um, a fan of college football, like I would like to see like a Pac-12 team get in, but then as a fan of Notre Dame, it's like, nah, screw them. Like I want us, you know what I mean? Obviously. Um, which again, it's it stinks that this is the this is the last year of the four, and it's it's going to make it a lot harder on the committee. 
for sure. Because if there's a pool of these one-loss teams, if you got like a one-loss Notre Dame, a one-loss like Washington, you know what I mean? Some of these randos that are going to be sprinkled in a one-loss Florida State, a one-loss Ohio State, a one you know, there could be six of these teams in a pool for like two spots, you know? Yeah. It when it when it's all said and done. If Alabama wins out, or you know, if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC, like what's gonna? It's gonna be absolute bedlam. But so, what I think is like the big layer here is with the Pac-12 being what it is right now, the deepest. Right? I think it's crazy to say. I I I really we really don't need to keep saying that. Honestly, I I have a bad habit of saying like we're past you know, the, the slander, I guess, but, um, they're they're They've taken the reins this year so far a month in of the sec and the, and the, the character that the sec has played, which is they can have a, they can have two teams in, you know, no other conferences had before, um, last year, right. It was only sec had done it. And, um, they're taking that role where I I don't know at this point if two SEC teams can can make it in. But the SEC or the Pac-12 has a lot better chance of having two, you know, eligible bachelors for the the playoff as it sits right now. Before it was like, okay, well, a one-loss Bama beats an undefeated Georgia or vice versa. That was that was kind of the they'll both get in, right? And the committee the Paul Fine bombs of the world are fucking jerking their cocks off to that. They want that every single year. That's what Fine Bomb wants every single year. They want he wants a one loss Bama takes down the undefeated challenger, and they both get in. And it's SEC, SEC, SEC. This year, I think the Pac twelve is is the SEC this year. Where we're at, where it's like we have barely talked about Oregon. Us talking about them maybe being able to beat this Colorado team by as much as we're saying, speaks a lot to that. We even talked much about this Washington team. We talked a bit about Michael Penix, and he's legit, and he's got the experience, and he can sling it, and that team is and dangerous. All they've and done USC, is boat race everybody they've played at Washington. Yeah. Right, and they've looked, they've looked honestly as impressive as anyone in the country. Yeah. They haven't slipped up at all. A lot of these other teams have had their little slip-up. So, I mean, if – is that somewhere we're at where it's like there's two Pac-12 teams in December that could possibly get in? Like I just think with, with these schedules and like how dense they are, I just I think whenever you look at all these teams, like they have three teams ranked in the side of the top ten in uh, Oregon, Washington at eight, and then USC at five. I mean, hell, even Utah is there at eleven. Those teams still got to play each other. I just don't think we're gonna have any idea for what this is gonna look like. I mean, even when you get into the Big Ten with Penn State is a team, I don't think we've spent nearly enough time talking about either. They are looking a little bit better and better. I think everyone counted them out as like the the third wheel there in the Big Ten East with Michigan and Ohio State's recent success, but they're playing really good football. Like they're right up there as well. Those are the matchups though that take place kind of down the stretch and you know, early November, late October. So I think this week kind of starts to kick it off with a bunch of these matchups and these denser conferences that we're starting to see who's legit, who's kind of going to fall off, maybe play spoiler a little bit down the season. But 
this is probably that first weekend that we start to see that. It kind of kicks it off a little bit and uh, going to be fun October to see, you know, who's going to kind of remain at the top. I think we've, we've you know, alluded to obviously Beachler with you being the proprietor of the 12-team playoff and the idea and the concept. Like, we've talked about, like, we we want this. Like, this is what fans want. Uh, yourself, a Michigan fan, speaking on behalf of the Irish, or Marty and Marty even speaking, like, these are things you want to see, and then you're, you know, selfishly like, well, I want us in there. But that's almost playing a backseat to how exciting it is to have more, like a more top-heavy college football landscape. You know, but before it was like every year we had had a team that was better than everyone else. And by this time, we knew who it was. You and know you also I mean? knew the four the four teams that were going to get in, or there there was five teams that maybe had a shot at the four spots or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's so much it's so much wider at this point. And beach, like you said, I don't know. There, there's so much to so much left to learn, but from how impressive some of these teams have been, even in the bottom in the bottom half, almost especially of the, of the top 10, as it stands, like it, it's going to be chaos. And some of these, some, uh, I think guys on this committee might be resigning because they won't know what the fuck to do when it's time to, for, you know, selection day. They'll just go with what they know and squeeze in like a two loss Bama in there and call <laughs> it a day. <laughs> just, just panic. We'll be wondering um, yeah. if Utah's market size is big enough to handle a playoff berth. Yeah. Oregon State. <laughs> Squeeze them in. I mean, yeah, it's other team. It's unreal. I mean, they're three and oh. They're they've been unbelievable at home and they have a good quarterback. Like that is a team that somehow could win the Pac twelve. And then it's like, oh, we spent all this time talking about how good they are. Does Oregon State get in? Do the Beavs get in? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be crazy. I mean, so they're playing. They're playing Washington State this weekend. That is another ranked ranked. And you had you were talking about the Pac-12 in the top top ten, just outside. The Oregon State's sitting there at fourteen, right in the middle of it, and yeah. they're playing a ranked Washington State game. Um, and dude, there was eight teams from the Pac-12 that are ranked right now in the top twenty-five. So that's a testament to fucking taking up a third of the spots. Um, but yeah, Oregon State, dude. I've I have ten bucks on them to win the Pac-12 at twelve to one. I took it for yeah. the year. <laughs> Let's go, Beavs, dude. I'm riding them all year. They're my team. Beavs. Rise so if if I uh, if I have any of hey, nice Beaver <laughs> to any of these uh, Pac-12 teams, I'm gonna I'm riding with DJU. Dude, Let's go, Beach. You mentioned, and I I, I agree. I was a adamant. And to no fault of his own. And that's that's normally how I operate. It's the how the media talks about someone or they treat someone. It makes me not like the person, the subject. That was completely the case with Drew Aller. He's good. He's for real good. Yeah. And he's exciting. And I think he has what it takes to pull off a very big win this year. I agree. He's got two chances for it on his schedule. And that's kind of what worries me as a Michigan fan is the Michigan game is at Penn State. 
So I feel like, you know, thank God it's not the whiteout and stuff, but um, they have Ohio State on the 21st at Ohio State. That'll be their first crack at it. So, I mean, if they're close in that game and, you know, they end up losing, I think they're just going to be hungry against that Michigan team coming into Happy Valley. So I'm nervous about them. I've, you know, really kept an eye on them these past couple of weeks as they've just been dismantling of uh, of a couple of teams. So I think they're definitely the team to watch out for. Um, could definitely sneak their way to the playoff. I mean, they have the caliber of schedule to be able to do it. So it's, it's you know anything's possible. Yeah, Beach. I can't speak to you, your mindset as a fan because I'm not a Michigan fan. But I feel like this year, especially instead of years past, where it's like ah, it's just Penn State. Like we'll 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 hold them. You know what I mean? Hold them off, even if they're scrappy. We're gonna win that game. Yeah, and I, I would almost compare that to like a Notre Dame playing like a, like a ranked Georgia tech or Virginia tech team every year. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you yeah. know, they're pretty good. Like, but they're going to, they're going to hold them off. They're going to take care of business. Like even if it's, they're scrappy. Yeah. It's almost like you just know their place in the big East. It's like, Hey, Michigan, yeah. we're going to sort out this whole who's number one thing. Exactly. You kind of sit here and you notice with them, they always find themselves in that position, at least, you know, since the divisions have been this way and they kind of, when they have enough, they do tend to, break forward with you know beating the one team they beat Ohio State the one time I know they've dismantled Michigan before they kind of went back and forth for a few years um you know with Saquon Barkley and stuff uh but you know recently Michigan's had their number a little bit so I think they're a really good team I'm definitely nervous I'm glad it is not their whiteout night game uh that would definitely just be terrifying I I remember that the last time Michigan couldn't even get the first playoff so that's not good but they got their test of the Buckeyes first. Michigan has the opportunity to kind of wait until I think week 10 to play them. So we'll see if they stay hot. Hopefully Michigan gets a lot better. And thank God they have their coach back now. Thank God. Thank God. They were barely a program without him. They needed him. Jimmy's <laughs> back. I think, I think the, the slate speaks for itself this week. And we have we have much to learn. So I think I think we wrap here and we just we enjoy some of we enjoy what 15 years maybe the greatest slate we've had in September in 15 years just absolutely blessed with a late September slate like this I yeah, will be in it's... South Bend and I will I will be I will be on probably I it, no one talked to me like I I don't and that's not being selfish. That's like I I don't want anyone to have to deal with me this Saturday. Like I'm I'm gonna turn on my phone. I might tape my fucking mouth closed and just lock in in a group of Irish because I'm gonna be so insufferable. And that's how it should be. That's what these big games do. They make twenty three year old kids fucking insufferable. So um, I can't wait. I'm gonna be down there in my brand new Nissan Altima. Very Whoa. excited about that. Whip. Yeah, the podcast paying paying for a company car here. That's a joke. We haven't made a set <laughs> yet, but maybe maybe that'll change and I'll uh, I'll be able our, to our new sponsors Nissan just plugged us. Dude, um, yeah, maybe maybe this episode will be the one that blows and blows us up. That is not blows. I think this was a good episode. And maybe it maybe it pays the car note. So all right, boys. Well we'll we'll be back to we I think probably by this time next week we could we could probably rattle off a four hour 
four hour episode based on yeah. what happens this weekend. I don't I will, think it'll disappoint. Uh, I hope it will be abroad, so I will not be on uh, next week. But so I won't be able to recap this slate, uh, so to say, on the podcast. But I know I'll definitely be texting you guys. Uh, keep it up with how this slate will be treating with us. Uh, hopefully, Irish get it done. Hopefully, Michigan looks better. <laughs> tell be, tell uh, the people where you're going to be, Beach. Um, I'm going to be headed to the Ryder Cup in Rome, or a sport in Team USA. Damn. Yeah, so there's there's multiple multiple wins that have to be brought in home this weekend. Yes. And that's actually that's insane that we have the greatest college football Saturday of all time and it's just the same weekend as the Ryder Cup, so we can't walk. Ryder Cup's the next Saturday. weekend, so it's Oh it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. It's always that, spending some time over there before, but so thank God they don't overlap. You think they have college football quad box in Rome? Dude, <laughs> I hope to get an octo box on Sunday while I'm there. I hope Scott Hansen is received well over in those parts. Dude, yeah, when I because I was in Rome this summer, I was starved for sports. So oh. with the with the time change, you're, oh, you're gonna so have to funny. watch. You're gonna have to watch some tennis. Yeah. How, how did how degenerate are we? You're just in Rome, like the most historic, fucking just magnificent. Like every, it's like where the fuck is Reds? Where's Scott Hansen when you need him? Yeah. Just w- Scott, walking past you? the Coliseum on your phone, like just trying to get Red Zone on. But yeah, we'll be back. Weather Beach Beachler will be at the Ryder Cup. Safe travels to him. But um, Thank you, sir. cheers, cheers to cheers Thanks. to college football. Your samples Kirk Cousins had a good year. Quavo gets cooking. Get fucked. <laughs>